Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. Weather report, if you want that. We've had two really, really nice days this week. Blue sky, wonderful temperatures. I forget what the temperature was, but uh, I nearly put my shorts on in the garden. Nearly. (laughs) Not quite. I'm not going to frighten the neighbours yet. It's a bit too early. Susan, lovely to hear from you again. Um, Susan's saying about events that happened in my time. I didn't see the movie, the film, Barbarella with Jane Fonda. Uh, Susan, wondering what did I think of that at the time. I didn't see it. Be interesting, she says, if I talked about how I experienced certain moments in history when Kennedy, for example, was assassinated. Now, I was, how old was I? That was 60, I was 12. So I must admit, I didn't take a, a great deal of interest. At 12 years old, I was, uh, what was that? My interest lie elsewhere. Lie? Laid. Lane elsewhere. Oh, I don't know, where elsewhere. I was coming up to the age, or I was at the age, where I was looking at girls, as you do when you get to 12, 13. So I do remember Kennedy. I remember it all on the telly, all black and white, of course, in those days. I remember it on the telly and people all discussing it and talking about it, all the adults talking about it. But uh, I have to say, I didn't really take a great deal of interest. I knew what was going on, of course. I did watch the news, but it didn't, I suppose it didn't have an impact on me as much as it, it would have done had I been older. I will be getting on with the story in a minute. <laughs> um, first of all, John Lennon. I remember when John Lennon was shot. That, that was a sad day. Again, it didn't. How old was I then? Dear goodness me, I can't remember. When was that? That was uh, August. I can't remember. But I was pretty young and I wasn't really into the Beatles, funnily enough. Um, Well, not funnily enough. There were basically two groups of us. There were the Rolling Stones fans and the Beatles fans. And I was a Stones fan. So that was my thing. Mick Jagger and Brian Jones. Of course, Brian Jones. He passed away, didn't he? In uh, East Sussex, where I am. Well, I'm in West Sussex. Or was it West Sussex? Heathfield? Hatfield? Hartfield? I don't know. Look it up. Yeah, Brian Jones, sadly, in the swimming pool at uh, a farmhouse uh, that I believe he owned the farm. No one was quite sure what went on there. Then there was Marianne Faithful, of course. The drugs raid, Marianne Faithful. She was my pin-up. She was only, what, two or three years older than me. And I just, I mean, I was, in my teens, I was in love with Marianne Faithful. She was, uh, she still is. She's a little bit older now. She looks a little bit older, <laughs> as I do. But uh, I'm not going to discuss the Mars bar scenario, episode, incident, alleged, whatever. Um, that, <laughs> of course, when I was young, everyone was talking about the Mars bar um, uh, story that was going around. Uh, so, yes, I remember Brian Jones going. That was sad. I remember Mick Jagger in Hyde Park doing his, was it his prayer or something? He was wearing a tunic, Mick Jagger. I thought it was brilliant, this tunic. And Trisha, you know my wife, Trisha, she says it was a dress. It's not a dress, it was a tunic. He was wearing that at Hyde Park and he said a little prayer, I think, for Brian. There we were. And the Rolling Stones, of course, are still going. But what do I remember mostly? What really had an impact on me back in those days? apart from all the girls, allegedly, that people were saying, I knew hundreds of girls back then. I didn't. 
I didn't know hundreds. Well, I did. I knew hundreds of girls. Well, not hundreds, but people are saying, you must have had hundreds of girlfriends because I mentioned meeting girls and relationships and how we met and all this sort of business. I didn't have... What, what I did pride myself on, I was able to have girlfriends as friends, a girlfriend, not necessarily, uh, how can I put it, romantically involved, entwined. No, not in lust. <laughs> I had male friends and female friends. I was able to get on with girls, and I still am able to with women. I can get on with them without anything else going on, if you know what I mean. I remember a friend of mine, he couldn't understand it. He'd say, how's your new girlfriend? Yeah, she's fine, thanks. How far have you got with her? What? How far have I got with it? He had a one-track mind. Do they still use that expression, a one-track mind? I remember also, I'd just have a friend, you know, I'd have a drink with a friend, a girlfriend, and he'd, he'd say, what's she like? Is she any good? What do you mean, is she any good? She's just a friend of mine. One-track mind. Well, obviously that was on my mind. I'm digging myself a hole here, aren't they? Aren't they? Aren't I? You're confusing me now. What I was going to say was, uh, 1970, I, it was my mum, I believe it was 1970, my mother's birthday in September. I was in the radio and TV workshop uh, with a few of the lads. We were in recon, which was recondition. And what we did in the recon workshop was recondition televisions, second-hand ones, ex-rental tellies for sale or to go out on rent again. They were mainly for sale. A lot of people in those days couldn't go and buy a television. They were hugely expensive. Most people rented them or bought a second-hand telly. So we spent all day, every day in recon, reconning second-hand tellies for sale. Anyway, that's all beside the point. That's where I was, because Susan wants to hear the, the kind of event and where I was and what happened. So that's great. <laughs> and we had the radio on, either Radio Caroline or Radio London, probably Radio London, because we all preferred that. And we heard a chap say, Jimi Hendrix is dead. And there was silence. We're looking at each other. What? What did he say? Hendrix? We turned the radio up. We'd heard correctly. Hendrix had died. We couldn't believe it. I'd seen him in London at the Royal Albert Hall. Fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I can't describe it. One thing I do regret, I missed the Isle of Wight Festival where Hendrix played there. I missed it. I was due to go with a friend in his car, and all, I don't know, there was a change of plan. He, I was going to say something else, something rude, he messed up, and in the end he went, right, but there was no room for me, I, I don't know. So I didn't go to the Isle of Wight Festival, which is something I've regretted ever since. But I did see Jimmy at the Royal Albert Hall in London, that was something. But I do remember that event on the radio. Hendrix is dead, we just couldn't believe it. He was 27, was he? He was 27. None of us could believe it. Hendrix can't be dead. He's our idol. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a very, very sad day. Trying to find my notes here. I've just got back from the tip, you know, the rubbish dump. Our dustmen are on strike, so we've got to take stuff to the tip. We don't want the bags of rubbish all smelling here. And we also cleared a load of stuff out of the shed for the tip. So that's good. That's got rid of that lot. And it's a lovely day again today. Look at that blue sky. You can't see it. I'm going to go out there. As soon as I've finished the podcast episode, I shall be in the garden. I might actually put my shorts on. No, I can't. I can't do that. What else do I remember from way back then? I might think of some more perhaps for next week's episode. OK, another story for you. I shall start, as always, at the beginning. I lived 
in a bungalow and there was a girl, a young lady, who lived in a, well, a few houses away from mine, a few bungalows away from mine. I knew her to say hello to. I didn't know her any more than that, just, hi, how are you doing? We'd had a brief chat on one or two occasions, and that was about it. Her name was Alison. And one day I was cleaning my car, which was a, a first, a miracle, actually cleaning my car in the driveway, and she was walking by, and I just called out hello, and she said, oh, hi, seemed a bit glum. I said, you all right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And I said, well, you're not. What's the trouble? I went over to her. She said, oh, I just want to bother you with it. And I said, well, you know, tell me. I'm not in any hurry. I'm only cleaning my car. She said, well, I used to go out with this chap. Went out with him for a month, found out he was married. And uh, so I dumped him. And I said, oh, that's, that's awful. You know, people that do that, that's dreadful. She said, no, that wasn't the problem. The problem is he now follows me wherever I go because I dumped him. I don't know whether we used the word stalker in those days, did we? She was being stalked, but I'm not sure we used... Anyway, she didn't. She just said that he follows me wherever I go. And she's looking up and down the road. She said, well, he's not here now. She was obviously in quite a state and she looked worried. So I said, do you want to come in and have a cup of tea or coffee or something and have a chat about it? Uh, which she did. She looked up and down the road again, then came into my place. And she was saying that, uh, you know, she'd been going out with him for a month and they'd been getting on really well. They'd become really close. And she'd never been to his place. He said he lived with his mother and his mother was a bit funny. And I thought, yeah, I, all the old lines, isn't it? Oh, I live with my mother. Can't come back to my place. Basically, because I've got a wife and two children there. She was obviously upset about that. But she was more worried about this chap. I said, is he violent? Oh, no, no. She said, no, I'm not worried about him doing anything like that to me. She said, it's just that for six weeks now, since we split up, he's been following me, sits in his car outside my house. Wherever I go, he follows. And she said, I'm supposed to be going out tonight, meeting some friends at a pub for a bit of a, a reunion, something to do with her work. And she said, I, I just don't know what to do. He's going to follow me. He'll be sitting outside the house. Now, behind our, our bungalows, at the end of each garden, there was an alleyway. Now, the alleyway came out to the street right by her bungalow. So she couldn't go out that way. So I said to her, look, why don't you, when you're ready this evening, when you're ready, go through the alleyway, come along to my back garden. I'll open the gate, let you in, and then come into my place. I said, we can get into my car, keep your head down, and I'll drive you to wherever you're going. And she was delighted. Oh, would you really? Would you? Oh, that's lovely. So I did that and it went according to plan. I could see his car parked outside her place. She was on the back seat, keeping her head down in my car. And I dropped her off at the pub. I said, I'll come and pick you up later if you like. Oh, would you really? Oh, that's great. So picked her up uh, where the pub shut, what, half 11. He wasn't outside then. So she just went into her place. He'd obviously given up and gone home. She had said that he only hangs around for about an hour and a half. And if she doesn't go out, then he'll drive off. I suppose with a wife and children, he couldn't sit there all night. I don't know. He probably told his wife he was doing overtime or something or other. I'd given her my phone number and I'd said, you know, if ever you need a lift again, you just give me a ring. She rang me, funnily enough, a couple of days later. Oh, I need your help. I said, OK, what is it? And she said, I'm not going out. She said, I'd just like a chat. Can I pop round? So I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go and open the back gate. His car was out the front. This was about seven, half six, seven in the evening. His car was out the front. And I, I said to her, 
leave your light on so he thinks you're in. Leave the light on, perhaps in the lounge, draw the curtains. I mean, it was summertime, but uh, I said, you know, make out that you're in by leaving lights on. Don't want him to get suspicious and think you've sneaked out of the back door. Can you say sneaked or is it snuck? All right, crept out of the back door. <laughs> Just for the grammar police out there. And I know there are one or two. So she came round into my back garden and we, we sat, actually we sat out in the garden. It was a lovely evening and we're drinking wine and beer. And she was telling me all about him and she just didn't know what to do. I came up with a plan. I said to her, right, you, do you know where he lives? She'd already found out his address. She knew his surname. She knew he was married. She'd sort of done a little bit of detective work with a view to possibly going to either his wife or the police. So I'd got all the details. I knew his name. I got his address. I knew he was married. I knew his wife's name. And I knew that he had the children. I knew their ages. She really had done her homework pretty well. So at the end of the evening, I said, OK, leave this with me. I've got a plan. Oh, what is it? What is it? I said, no, no, no. I said, I'll phone you because I had her phone number as well as her having mine. I said, I will phone you at some stage. Not today, obviously. It was the evening. And I said, I'll tell you whether my plans worked or not. She was excited. Anyway, off she went home round the back alley. I walked her there because it was dark by the time we'd finished chatting and having a few drinks, listening to some music. She was a lovely girl, actually. I just felt so sorry for her but, you know, being stalked like that or followed as it was in those days. It's nothing new, is it, this stalking? I mean, I've never stalked anyone. <laughs> I couldn't be bothered. So I went round. I knew he went to work. She said that he went to work off in his car in the morning, half eight or whatever. I went round there. I wore a suit, a shirt and tie. I had my tie loose at the top, you know, undone or sort of hanging down, done up, done up, but pulled down like uh, like the Sweeney. You remember the Sweeney and the professionals? They always had their tie loose, didn't they, hanging down. It was never done up properly to the collar. So I had this suit on and this tie and my, my shirt. And so I, I don't quite know what part I was trying to look. A bit like a, a secret agent. <laughs> and I had a little, I've got a plastic box with a, I put a transistor radio aerial in it. You know, like a little walkie-talkie. I had that in the top pocket of my jacket. I saw him come out of his house and I called over, Mr. Smith, I mean, that's not his name, Mr. Smith. And he looked across, yes. I said, I wonder if I could just have a word with you. I won't, won't delay you, I just wanted to have a word with you. Oh, oh, yes. He said, who are you? I said, I'm unable to tell you, I'm afraid, but I work for a government agency and, uh, and I'd like to ask you a few questions. And he looked a bit worried. Yes, what's it about? I said, again, I'm going to change the name. I said, um, Miss Johnson. What is your relationship with Miss Johnson? And he, he said, oh, uh, uh, we, uh, well, we went out together. He, was, he looked very worried. Went out together for a while. He said, why? Uh, what's happened? I looked up and down the street to, to add a little bit of mysticism, you know, to be a bit mysterious. And I said, I said, it's come to our attention that you've been following her. I said, we've been keeping an eye on her as part of our operation. And we want to know why you're following her. Oh, well, um, we went out together and she dumped me and I, I've just been rather hoping we can get back together. I said, but you're a married man. You're married to Celia. And his, his eyes widened. And I said, you've got two children, the boy and the girl. And I mentioned their names. And he really did look worried. He said, well, what's she done? What's this about? I said, I'm sorry, I've already explained that I can't tell you, but you're now on our radar and we want to know why you're following her. 
And he said, well, I've, I've told you, it's just uh, I was hoping to get her back. And I said, our worry is that you're going to jeopardise our operation. Oh, 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 operation. Oh, oh, um, oh well, I, I'll, I won't see her. I won't follow her. And I said, well, I, I strongly advise you actually not to follow her. Otherwise, uh, we may have to interview you uh, and your wife, of course. And he really did look worried. I, I don't know. He obviously believed it all. I, I was thinking that any minute now he's going to say, oh, clear off. Who are you? Get out of here. And as I, I began to walk away, I said, I'll leave it at that. I said, hopefully I won't have to speak to you again or your wife. Oh, no, no. OK, OK. And I took the little plastic thing out of my pocket and I started to talk on it as if it's a two-way radio. Because radio is my hobby. I had a, a spare aerial and a plastic box that looked like a walkie-talkie. And I'm walking down the street. I hid my car, obviously, around the corner. I'm walking down the street, chatting on this plastic box. And I just couldn't believe how well it had gone, actually. I was quite proud of myself. I rang Alison that evening and I said, that's it, hopefully you won't see him again. Oh, what have you done? What happened? She, she wanted to know. And I said, well, come round and I'll tell you. She said, well, will you open your back door? I said, no, no, come round, come out the street. And I went out of the front, as I say, summer evening, daylight. No sign of him, and she's walking along towards me. I'm out in the road, and she's looking around. Where is he? Where is he? I said, he's not. I said, I don't think you'll see him again. We went into my place, and again, we spent the evening drinking wine and beer. It was great. I really got on well with her. And then I, I told her, because she kept saying, oh, you must tell me. And I said, oh, I can't. It's top secret, classified information and all this nonsense. And after a few drinks, I told her. She thought it was brilliant. She said, you're like Steed. Do you remember Steed and Mrs Peel in the Avengers? Oh, I said, I hardly look like Steed. I didn't have my bowler hat and my, my brolly, you know, like he did. But uh, she liked the Avengers. She said, I'm going to call you Steed in the future. I said, all right, but you're Mrs Peel. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, the what is that expression that I hate? The long and the short of it is, or is it the tall and the long of it? She went out, there was a couple of weeks later, and we saw each other quite a bit, actually. She popped round, or I'd go round to her place, summer evenings, enjoying a drink or two and a chat. She said to me, I've seen him. And I said, what, where? I thought, oh, this is it. It's, you know, he's come back. It's awful. She'd been out with her friend, some sort of work do or something. You know, they met in the pub after work and had a drink. And she said that this chap walked into the pub she sat there and she's staring at him. Like, oh, my goodness, here, he's here. <gasps> What's going to happen? She said he walked up to the bar, noticed her sitting at a table with her friends, and as she put it, spun round on his heels and walked straight out of the pub. She said he just didn't want to be anywhere near me. She said he just did a runner, basically. She, <laughs> she said he probably thinks I'm some kind of spy. And I said, well, he will do. I said he probably thinks that MI5 have got you on their radar. And he, he's frightened. He probably thinks you're an international spy or gangster or something. So, of course, after all that, we became really good friends and uh, just living a few, you know, a few doors away from each other. We saw a lot of each other. She'd come to me or I'd go to her. And it was fantastic. I used to think if ever I bump into him in a pub, what's he going to do? Is he going to run away again? <laughs> or will he wonder what I'm up to? I don't know. Luckily, I never did bump into him. He probably uh, upped sticks, as they say, and moved off, you know, got his wife and kids. Come on, we're moving. We're going to another town. Because <laughs> he thought MI5 were watching him. <laughs> I do miss those heady days. 
I was always silly in those days. I suppose that's part of being young, isn't it? I was, what, early 20s. I think Alison was sort of mid-20s. She was definitely older than me. But uh, I was just silly, you know, we did silly things. Youngsters do, though, don't they? It's all part of the fun of being young. I really enjoyed it. So that's how I met Alison and, you know, got to know each other extremely well. We we got on. I thought we'd be together for quite some time, actually, if not forever. But it didn't work out. But in those days, that was before the computer with your online dating. I mean, there was there were dating agencies, you know, there were things like that, but not on the computer. You know, people would say, oh, if you look in the paper, the local paper or or whatever, you'll find a, a phone number for a dating agency. You go and tell them your age and your interests. And I don't know how it worked. I, I never did that. <laughs> I used to like meeting people, like Alison, physically meeting people. That's what it was all about. And I think, I might be wrong, that's what is missing today. I think the youngsters today, they haven't got... I know they go out, they go clubbing and things, but so much time is spent online. In our days, all you had, if you were lucky, was a landline phone. A lot of people didn't have that. I remember at school, a lot of the other kids, their parents, they didn't have a phone. That's why there were so many red phone boxes around, almost on every street corner. There was a red phone box. It really was nice being able to physically meet people in the pub or wherever chat girls up or or get chatted up by girls. I've had that happen. So yes, those happy days sadly have gone. Have you got time for one more story or are you going to switch off now? Are you going to rush off and go online dating (laughs) or something? No, I mustn't say that. I'll just tell you one more, which might be interesting. I met this girl, I think it was in a pub, I can't remember where, in a pub. Her name was Jennifer. And she was okay. We got chatting and bought her a drink and we started seeing each other. I'd pick her up from her house and uh, we'd go out for the evening. We'd listen to some music at my place after we got back from the pub and have a, a kiss and a cuddle. And one evening I noticed a car. This was, again was the summertime. It was not dark. It was dusk, but not pitch dark. And I saw a car parked outside my place. I could look out the lounge window and there was a chap looking through at me through the window. I just pulled the curtains across, thought, that's odd, wonder who he is. And another time we'd gone back to my place after we'd been out for the evening, and he was there again. And she saw me looking. She said, what are you looking at? I said, there's a chap out there in a car, and he's looking at at me. Oh, she said, is it a blue car? I said, yeah, it is, yeah. She didn't get up, she was on the sofa. Oh, that'll be Trevor. And I I said, who's Trevor? Oh, that's my boyfriend. What? That's my boyfriend? I couldn't, couldn't believe what she said. I said, what do you mean it's your boyfriend? You're going out with me. Oh, well, he's a kind of a friend of the family. And she was explaining all this. He was looking at me. I drew the curtains again. She said, he's a friend of the family. We kind of boyfriend and girlfriend. We, we grew up together. And I said, but you're going out with me. Why is he out there? Why is he following you? What's going on? She said that he always followed her. Wherever she went, he followed her. <laughs> she said that she did go out with him sometimes. They were still kind of boyfriend and girlfriend. And I said, well, what about us? I mean, I wasn't serious about her, to be honest. She's weird. I thought she was weird from the day I met her. We were in a pub and this friend of mine was there and he said, oh, hello, is that your new girlfriend? I just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked over and he said, have you seen what she's wearing? And I wondered what he meant. I said, "Uh, yeah. 
I didn't look at her. I said, yeah, well, what do you mean? He said, she's wearing a, a blouse. It's just about a see-through blouse. And I said, oh, is it? I, I must admit, I hadn't taken any notice. And he said, she's got nothing on underneath. And I looked across. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. I honestly hadn't noticed. She was, I don't know, she was weird. We were in a, another pub. This Trevor used to follow her about, and I thought, I'm not doing this anymore. We're in another pub, and her best friend, this girl, turned up. And uh, Jennifer went off to the loo or wherever. And I said to this friend of hers, do you know this Trevor? Oh, yeah, she said, he's, he's mad, he's balmy. I said, well, Jennifer's balmy. She said, oh, they both are. She said, I'm surprised you're going out with her. And I said, well, I don't think I'm going to anymore. I, I don't want to get involved in all that. It's weird. And I said, I just on the off chance, I said, would you like to come out for a drink? And she said, OK, uh, meet you in whatever pub, she, she said. And I thought, that's quick. So I'll meet you in the pub tomorrow. I finish work at nine. I'll get there about quarter past nine. I said, yeah, great. OK, I didn't know what work she did. Then she added, that says my boyfriend doesn't pick me up. I thought, what? What is going on here? Anyway, Jennifer came back and I, I cleared off. The following evening, I went to this pub. I got there about eight. And, you know, about 20 past nine, this other girl walked in. I won't mention her name. And I said, oh, presumably your boyfriend didn't turn up. No, she said, I'm finishing with him. He never turns up. He goes out with other people. He two times. He lies. That's it. This was his last chance this evening. If he didn't turn up, that's it. I'd made my mind up. So she said, uh, I'll go out with you. I thought, that's OK. And we got on. Well, I'll tell you how we got on. We were together for a long, 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 long time. I won't tell you how long, but uh, a long time. I don't want to give her identity away. Anyway, Jennifer, if you're listening, I won't mention your surname. You're probably married now, so it's different. But Jennifer, uh, if you'd like to contact me, raiserants at protonmail.com. I doubt for one minute you're listening, but as I said in last uh, week's episode... Someone did contact me, uh, someone that I'd been talking about on one of the episodes. So they are, Jennifer, email me <laughs> and we will reminisce. But don't tell Trevor. <laughs> I find it quite fascinating looking back at the, the people I met, the people that I knew and didn't ask out, you know, the one or two girls, I thought, oh, I might ask her out. And I never did, didn't get round to it. What if I had all these, you know, what if and but, but for this, but for that. It's interesting. Email me and tell me about your first meeting with whoever, perhaps your wife or your husband or disastrous relationships. It was so different. I know I'm always banging on about it, but it was so different back then. I'd be in a pub, see a girl and go and ask her whether she wanted a drink. Sometimes they'd say no, sometimes, oh, okay. I remember, no, I won't go do any more. <laughs> we don't want any more relationships, not today, perhaps next week. So let's move on. Just going back to some of the events in the old days, the 60s, 70s, 50s even, there was the news on the telly and on the radio. There wasn't 24-hour news uh, channels like we've got now. So any news, unless it was something massive, then they would interrupt TV or radio programmes to tell you what the news was. But basically you had to wait uh, the news on, perhaps the radio stations was on the hour or on the half hour. It wasn't continuous news as it is these days. Well, mind you, a lot of it's not news. A lot of it's just rubbish these days. <laughs> Some of these 24-hour news channels these days 
I think when there's a, a quiet news period, they just come out with a load of rubbish. They put on all sorts of stuff. <laughs> but back then, we didn't have that. We, I mean, these days, Twitter. I get most of my news from Twitter. Of course, a lot of it is just lies and fake. <laughs> you don't know what to believe. But what I do is put it all together and then kind of evaluate from everything I've read, come out with hopefully some sort of idea of what is actually going on, the truth, if, if there's any truth in there anywhere. But of course, back then, we only had the radio and the telly. But CB radio, funnily enough, when it first came out, it was all kids, you know, playing music, their older kids swearing and shouting on there. As it calmed down, as CB began to wear out, wear out? Well, no, not wear out. <laughs> it didn't wear out, did it? Became less popular, speak properly if I can, as, as it became less popular, the CB channels were quieter and you could actually have sensible conversations with people. I still listen on CB these days. I'll have a chat to some of the locals on there. Even today in 2022, wouldn't have thought it would carry on this long, but there are still quite a few people on CB. But going back to the old days, that was quite good for news. Someone would hear something on the radio or the telly and they'd say on the CB, oh, news flash, and they'd tell you what it is. So that was very, very handy. I always had the CB radio on in my workshop. That's when I started working from home. Always had it on in the workshop. And you know, people would say, oh, just heard this on the radio or on the telly or whatever, a news flash. So, so that was our social media back then. Can you believe that? CB radio was social media way back then in the dark days <laughs> where my grandchildren say, what did you do back then? No internet, no phone, no tablets, no PCs, no millions of channels on the telly. Oh dear, it is funny talking to them. Uh, when I tell them about the old days, they can't believe it. What did you do, Granddad? Well, all sorts of things. I was busy. We did gardening and things. Once I got my own house and settled down, growing vegetables in the garden which I think we're coming back to again. People now I've been talking to recently, uh, they're talking about making a vegetable plot because the price of food's rocketing and everything's going up in price, the gas, the electricity, everything. And quite a few people I've been talking to have said that uh, they're going to find a bit of spare land somewhere in the garden and plant some vegetables. Why not, you know, save some money? Unfortunately, our garden is pretty small. Uh, there's, there's aerials all over it. Well, no, they're only poles. They don't take up much room. But we've got a load of sheds down the end. <laughs> uh, far too many sheds. Oh, by the way, uh, update on the tadpoles, the frog spawn. They are now tadpoles. Some of the frog spawn died, as it does, I suppose. But we've got little tadpoles all wiggling around in the pond. And uh, we actually, well, Trish, she took a video of the tadpoles. I can't show you that on here, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, they're doing well. We've still got the uh, plastic sort of sheet over the pond to keep the cold off. The other night, woke up, there's a severe frost. Well, only two or three days ago, a severe frost. Uh, this was sort of five, six in the morning. So it's still a bit dodgy weather-wise for delicate things like tadpoles. Talking about CB radios just reminded me. Uh, CB radios and meeting people. A lot of people did meet. There were groups, weren't there? CB clubs and all this stuff. I remember there was... Uh, I used to stay up quite late at night in the workshop, you know, talking to people on the on the amateur radio, not the CB so much, but on my amateur radio, the ham radio gear. And I remember this girl saying, hello, hello. 
<laughs> uh, sort of midnight or one in the morning, whatever it was, I was always up late. And I said, hello. And she said, hello, who's that? And I said, uh, I'm Ray, who's that? She said, whoever she was. And we got to know each other through the CB radio. She didn't live far from me. And I said to her, your radio is crackling. You know, whenever you talk, it's all going crackling away. She said, I know a lot of people have told me that. I don't know what's wrong with it. So, you know, being into electronics and that, I said, I think it was, must have been close to the weekend. I said, bring it round and I'll have a look. I told her where I was and she was only around the corner. She was a very strong signal on the radio. So she brought it round the next day and we became friends. I fixed the radio for her. It was only a loose wire and the microphone plug. And we became friends. We used to chat on the CB, sort of midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning at weekends if I was around. It was great. And we, we would meet up for a drink in the local pub. And that, that was purely friends, nothing else. I know what you're all thinking. Oh, what happened? What's the, what's the relationship? How did it develop? How did it go? <laughs> no, it didn't. We were friends and we stayed friends for, how long was I living there? I don't know. A few years? No, no. A couple of years? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter how long I was living there. Of course, when I moved away, uh, we were too far apart to chat on the radio and that, that sort of fell apart, the friendship. But the CB radio, I know a lot of people back then, especially radio amateurs, ooh, CB rubbish. It was a sort of them and us situation, but it wasn't with me. I would chat to the licensed radio hams on the amateur radio gear, or I would chat to people on CB. I still do. I talk to both. I've never looked at it as a, a them and us situation. CB radio, the first real form, I suppose, of social media. <laughs> of course, it was illegal when it started. But as I say, there are quite a few people on there now. Unfortunately, you do still get one or two that swear a bit, so you've got to keep the volume down if there are children around. I don't know why people... Do. Why do people swear? I've never been one for swearing. If, you know, if I bash my hand with a hammer or something, I might say crikey <laughs> or worse. But some people... There was a chap talking of recon earlier. Remember the recon workshop doing the tellies? There was a chap there, one of the aerial riggers, he used to come in to the workshop and he, every sentence was littered with expletive. He couldn't say it's raining. He'd say it's beep raining. And I just got beep wet out in the beep rain. Every other word, honestly, it was, I don't know why, we used to laugh. We used to laugh because he just, I think he, he didn't have, what is it, um, Tourette's. It wasn't that. He just swore all the time. I don't think he could ever come out with one sentence without swearing. And apparently, because I said to someone, I wonder what his mum and dad think, because he wasn't that old. He lived at home, I think. And they said his parents are deaf. Both his parents were deaf. So he could get away when just walking around the house, swearing his head off, and they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't say language, Timothy. Do you remember that awful programme, language? What was it called? Sorry. It was, uh, was it Ronnie Barker? No, he was at home, wasn't he? He was a 40-year-old man living at home with his parents. Uh, not Ronnie Barker, that was the other chap. The other, oh, I don't know. He would say something like, crikey, language, Timothy. <laughs> yeah, and they wanted him to get a girlfriend, I think, and, and sort of get married. I don't know. It was a, it was a ridiculous programme. A bit like El Dorado. Do you remember when El Dorado came out? What a load of rubbish that was. It didn't last five minutes. It was about people, I think, uh, sort of expats living in Spain. And uh, I don't know what they did down there. They, It was a bit like Crossroads. Oh, do you remember Crossroads? Amy Turtle, Meg Richardson, 
Sandy Richardson, was it? Diane, Benny, the funny chap. <laughs> Crossroads. Of course, in the TV workshop, every afternoon, I think about four o'clock, Crossroads came on every afternoon at four o'clock. I didn't watch Crossroads, but I kind of did. I had no choice. There's half a dozen TVs on all around the workshop and we only had two channels, <laughs> ITV or BBC. So it was Crossroads or whatever else was on, Magic Roundabout with Brian and Zebedee. <laughs> Dear, happy days. Happy days when adverts weren't five minutes long. I'm still timing them. What I'm going to do next is time the programme between the adverts. So we've got five minutes of ads and then I can see how many minutes of programme between each five minute slot of ads. <laughs> I don't know why I'm bothering. It just annoys me. So I shall be doing that. I was talking of being annoyed. Oh, dreadful. Dreadful. I won't go into details. Uh, since last July, had Trisha's party booked. Got the venue, a live band. We booked a band, had invitations printed, sent them all out. Great stuff. We popped into the venue yesterday just to, uh, what was it about? Something to do about the, the drinks, the wine, Servion Blank or something. Servion Blank. <laughs> I can't pronounce any of these properly. I do it wrong. I deliberately get things wrong in restaurants to embarrass people. I don't know why people get embarrassed. I don't. <laughs> I think it's funny. So we popped in there and the chap said, oh, there's a problem. And we're thinking, oh, no, problem with the wine. Oh, drastic. He said, uh, the event's cancelled. What? What do you mean it's cancelled? We've, we've done, we've got people coming from all over. They're staying in hotels and you know, we've booked the band. We've done everything. We've had invitations printed. He said, oh yeah, sorry, we can't do it. I won't, I won't go into it all, but oh dear, shock, horror, disaster. So what we did, luckily the same day, well actually within a few hours, we found another venue. We went round there, sorted it out, paid and got it all, oh, what a nightmare though. We just thought, oh, we're popping there just to talk about the wine. That's it. End of party. You're not having a party. Oh. Anyway, there we are. See, that wouldn't happen in the old days. People used to do things properly. What well, did they? Yes, they did, actually. Things like that. You wouldn't have a party cancelled like that just a few weeks before the actual event. We booked it last July. So it's you know, not quite a year, but it's uh, however many months it is. And I said to the chap, what if we hadn't come in here? Would you have told us? Oh, yeah, we were going to tell you. For well, when? When all the people are arriving for the party? Oh, sorry, it's cancelled. I don't know. It seems these days nothing is done properly. I cleaned the windows yesterday. I have to do it myself. I ordered a window pole, you know, about three, three and a half metres long with a thing on the end to reach the upstairs windows because I don't go up ladders. Trish said, I'll go up the ladder and do it. I said, you ask your mum and sister. If they say you can go up the ladder, then you can. So she did. I said, go on, ask them when they came round. Can I go up the ladder? No. Nope. <laughs> I said, I told you so. I'm not having her go up the ladder. If she goes up the ladder, falls off, ends up in A&E, I don't get any lunch. Or if it's afternoon, I don't get dinner because we're mucking around at A&E. So I said, you're not going up the ladder because I'm not going to starve. <laughs> and anyway, listen... What I did was, I've got this window pole and I've cleaned the windows outside with this pole. I've had to do it twice because they hadn't been done upstairs for a couple of years. Now, talking of doing things properly, one of the neighbours said, oh, why don't you have the window cleaner? A lot of us round here have the window cleaner. Yeah, he's not a window cleaner. Well, he is. What he does, he's got a long pole and out of the, the brush thing on the top, it just squirts water out. 
in the old days, the chap would come round with his ladder. He'd go up there, he'd do all the... He'd ask you for some hot water. Do you remember that? They'd come in, could he do my bucket? Every few houses, he'd, he'd want clean water in his bucket. So he'd fill that up for him. He'd go up his ladder. He'd wash them all properly. Then he'd rinse them off. Then he'd get out a leather. You know, the old chamois. Do you remember that? In the good old days, they were. Don't have anything like that now. It's just water squirting out of a brush. Everything is left dripping and soaked. He'd get his leather. He'd clean it all, dry it all off. And they'd be sparkling. They'd look really good. And he'd only charge you a couple of quid. These people come round with some hose pipe and squirt it all over the place. I dread to think what they charge. I've been meaning to ask. Next time I see them in the street, I shall go and say, oh, go on, go on, how much? Tell me, give me a laugh. Go on, I could do with a laugh. <laughs> how much? You're having a joke, aren't you? You're having a laugh. Anyway, I do the windows myself. I'm not paying people to squirt. I mean, I can do that with a hose. I can squirt them with a hose. In fact, that's what I do in the summer. Give them a clean with the pole. Because I used to have a pole, but it rusted and all fell apart. Give them a clean with good soapy, warm soapy water. Then get the hose pipe out and squirt right up to the windows at the top of the house with the hose pipe. Rinses them all off. I get a shower at the same time, so I save money on washing. <laughs> oh dear, I don't know. Look at that blue sky. I'm really looking forward to this summer. We're going to have a million frogs all over the garden. We're going to have clean windows. I don't know what else. What other good news is there? Oh, who was it? There was someone on telly. You know this P&O ferries thing. They've all they've chucked out 800 staff. Instant dismissal. That's it. All get off the ships. Go away. You're fired. Dreadful way to carry on. Some bloke on the telly is blaming the government. He says Boris's fault. It's the government. Hang on. Hear that? News flash. I dread to look. I daren't look. These days, I daren't look to see what the news flash is. But this chap on the telly this morning, well, it's the government's fault. Well, why is it the government's fault that some private company, nothing to do with the government, has sacked a load of staff, instant dismissal, or whatever it is? I don't know, because everyone blames the government. I remember a friend of mine used to blame the Chinese. I think I told you that one, one or two weeks ago. Whatever happened, oh, I blame the Chinese. <laughs> I blame the government if it's raining. How dare they make it rain at the weekend? We were planning a barbecue. Now that won't be long. Well, we don't do barbecues anymore. It's all too much. I'd hated the gas ones. I don't have a gas barbecue. We had the proper coal ones. I built a brick barbie in the garden. The proper coal barbie. And the trouble is, you get a red hot summer day. You know, the sun is blasting down. You've got the heat from the barbecue. I just stand there just on fire. <laughs> So what we started doing was also, you get a lot of people around, say 20 or 30 people, I'm there all day. So we started cooking it all in the kitchen. Just do the burgers, sausages, whatever, in the kitchen. And it was so much easier. That way I could sit down with people and join in rather than stand there getting roasted myself. I've just looked at the news flash on my phone. It's all right, nothing, nothing dreadful, so I needn't worry about that. But I do every time it goes off. I think, oh, here we go, a news flash. What on earth has happened in the world now? I mean, what is going on with the world? I'm not going to go into it all because I record these podcasts uh, because I, I like it. It's good fun. It cheers me up chatting about the good old days. I don't want to talk about depressing things. There's enough of that. Just turn the telly on, turn the radio on. It's all doom and gloom, isn't it? So we'll forget that. Sun's still shining. Uh, where are we? Quarter to 11 in the morning. Look at those windows. Oh, 
proper window cleaner that did that, you see. <laughs> actually, our gutters want doing. And a lady down the road, she said, having, actually, that's a thought. She said, I'm having my gutters done. That's today, I think. She said, what is it, 75 quid to have the gutters cleaned out? And I was going to go and check. I would see if they're there yet. Go and check with the people that are doing it. Do they clean all the face here and stuff? Or they just do they just get a pole with a bent thing on the top and just chuck all the mud out of the gutters all over the path? <laughs> there you go. 75 quid, please, gov, or what, innit? <laughs> do they do it properly? I wouldn't mind paying 75 pounds if I knew that they're going to do a proper job because it really is dirty up there. My pressure washer doesn't reach. I'm going to do the driveway soon and the and the patio around the back garden. Uh, the path down to the sheds is all, it's all moss and is it algae or algae? What is it? Potato or potato? I don't know. So I'm not going to do that till the weather's a bit warmer though. I also pressure wash the car, blast everything off that. Oh, we've got that. Oh, we've got the MOT in a few weeks time. Let's hope that's all right. There'll be more money. Oh, I don't know. That's going to be expensive. Oh dear. <laughs> all this sharp intake of breath, isn't it? How much will that be? Oh dear, on that model. Oh dear, I dread to think. <laughs> Thanks for all your emails, all your ideas and things. Uh, Ray's rants at protonmail.com. Hang on, what's that coming up over the, over the hills there? There's some big white clouds looming up. Don't know where they've come from. We do not want that. I blame the government. How dare they send clouds down here to the south coast? They should keep them in London. <laughs> anyway, yeah, raise rants at protonmail.com. Email me. friend of mine just gave me a couple of car batteries, which is nice. I mentioned that because I'm just looking at one. We've been having some power cuts recently. And when he said, do you want a couple of car batteries? I've given one to my brother-in-law. I said, yeah, I will actually. They're nice. They're, they're second hand, but they're good ones. And they're not that old. And we've got emergency lighting. And I thought, well, if I get a car battery, uh, most of my radio gear is sort of 12 volts. So I can run it from the car battery. Because when we had a power cut last time, it went on for quite a while. And I couldn't use any of my radio gear. But now I can. I can just switch over to the battery and still talk nerdish to nerds. So that's exciting. That'll please Trisha, won't it? You know, I mentioned earlier, dustmen are on strike. So we take our stuff to the tip. Someone said on uh, Twitter or wherever it was, will we get a rebate or refund uh, from the council for the, uh, the council tax we pay because the dustmen haven't turned up? Now, there's a thought. There's probably some clause somewhere that says, oh, you can't do this or you can't do that. I don't know. I don't mind going to the tip, actually. What we do is take a couple of deck chairs, flask of coffee, some sandwiches, and we sit there amongst the flies, breathing in the, the odour. It's a rather nice day out, actually. Years ago, a friend of mine said that uh, oh, we, we take sandwiches and a flask to the tip. And, you know, I thought he was joking and I laughed. And he said, no, seriously, he said, we do. Because there, there used to be a queue in the old days. Now you have to book a slot. And they used to take a flask of coffee and sandwiches, get there ridiculously early to be first in the queue, but you know, before they opened. And they'd sit there outside the tip. And it's not the freshest of air outside the rubbish dump. And they sit there having their coffee and sandwiches. <laughs> Mind you, he was a nutcase. Well, we're all nutcases. Well, I am. OK, is that the end? Have you had enough? I'm going to go and see what Trish is doing. She's in the shed. One of the sheds. She's tidying up. She does really well, actually. She tidies up out there. 
if I want something out of the loft, for example, I'll say, oh, I must pop up in the loft later and get, uh, oh, I'll do it. I'll pop up there. Bless her. She does that. I'll say, for example, oh, I must pop down the shed and get that so-and-so. Oh, I'll go down there. I'll get that for you. She is lovely, honestly. She really is lovely. But I better go and check up on her. Her dad said to me once, if she's quiet, she's up to no good. <laughs> if you can't hear her, and she's upstairs or in the shed or wherever, she's up to no good. That's not strictly true, I have to say, that's not true. So I shall go and check up on Tricia. I shall see you on Wednesday with the midweek message. Not the weekend message, as I said last time. The midweek message. Take care. I hope you've got nice weather where you are. Those clouds, oh, that's okay. They're disappearing. They're dispersing. Is that the right word? They're dispersing. So they should as well. We do not want clouds. See you Wednesday. Look after yourselves. Take care. Bye-bye for now.